Welcome, you're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted ministry partner for planned giving. And here's your host, Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us. My name is Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations here at Barnabas Foundation. And with me today is Cindy Remersma, our Client Services Administrator. And yeah, we're in the same office today. She's down Mm -hmm. the hall and across the hall, um, maintaining our social distancing. Uh, but today's topic is uh, what to expect when you're bequesting. Uh, this topic was actually uh, something we submitted to CLA last fall to do a session on in April at, uh, at their conference in Dallas. And of course, with COVID-19 going on and, the, and uh, the states being locked down, we never did get a chance to present this um, at CLA, but we thought we'd do an abbreviated version of it today for your uh, benefit, for our members' benefit. Um, we're going to talk to you today from the perspective more from an administration of bequests um, and, and what charities need to know and be thinking about when they get notified that they've been named in an estate um, and that there's a bequest coming to you. Um, Cindy and I were just talking a few minutes ago before uh, we went live and, and I was asking her how long um, she's been doing this kind of work and of course I was making a few jokes here and there about it being a century long but for over 30 years Cindy and her career has been uh, working in administration of bequests and so we're going to pick her brain a bit today and learn a bit from what she's learned over the years of uh, of doing this kind of work so Cindy thanks for joining us thanks Kurt all right so we'll dive right in um, what are different types of bequests that most organizations would typically experience Yeah, there's really two main types of bequests that organizations are going to receive. Um, One is a beneficiary designation of an account. Maybe it's a brokerage account, an IRA, maybe life insurance. Another would be a bequest via a will or a trust. So those are the two main types. Now, within those, um, you could receive a specific specific bequest amount. So maybe it's a $10,000 gift. Um, or a specific piece of property, maybe a house or something like that, a piece of property. Um, or your, your ministry could be a percentage beneficiary. Maybe 90% of the trust is going to go to loved ones, 10% is going to go to your organization. Or um, another thing that we've seen is where maybe specific amounts will go to um, individuals and loved ones, and the remainder will go to, to ministry. Um, so those are kind of the most most common ones that we see, I would say really for charities, one of the most common is a beneficiary of an IRA because um, as a beneficiary of an IRA, a charity does not have to pay income tax, where if the individual's loved ones were beneficiaries of that IRA, those loved ones would have to pay income tax on that IRA. So that's very common. And then also just a, a specific bequest from a trust is quite common as well. Excellent. And a reminder to those watching, if you do have questions along the way, feel free to put them in the comment section here of the uh, live stream, and we'll be sure to address the questions as we go along. Um, One question that comes up all the time, especially when I talk to members and may inform them that a donor we've worked with has passed away, and uh, the the gift to be coming uh, through Barnabas Foundation and directed to them when we settle it, the question always is, how long is it going to take? Yeah, that is always... uh... You never really know. Again, it depends on the type of of account that it is. So if you're the beneficiary of a a life insurance policy, those you might receive within, say, four to six weeks, or maybe even like a brokerage type of account. That might be, say, four to six weeks. Those can happen pretty fast. Um, But if it's an estate, um, you may receive a partial distribution, maybe after six to nine months. 
Um, you may receive uh, the final distribution maybe after two to three years. Barnabas Foundation has one estate that we've had open for the past seven years. So it really, um, really can vary. Um, and, and a lot of it depends on the complexity of the estate. Um, it depends on the type of assets, for instance, that might be in, in the trust. If you're a beneficiary of a trust, if, uh, they may have a home to sell, so that might take some time. Um, there might be some creditor issues, so that might be a factor in how long it takes. Um, there might be some family disputes going on, maybe the will is contested or something like that, so that'll affect how long. And then maybe in some cases you might be waiting for a spouse to pass before something happens. Um, so that might be another factor um, in, in how long it's gonna to take to actually realize that, that bequest. Excellent. Many times you're just at the mercy of the executor to actually do the work. Yeah. Um, I can recall an estate when I was in the, the, the director of finance position here where the executor just took his own sweet time mm -hmm. and ended up filing two extra years of tax returns because he just was too busy with life and didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. And so the money just kind of sat there slowly accruing interest. And mm -hmm. um, so you really are stuck sometimes. You can do all the encouragement you want to move it along, but you still are at the mercy of the executor to get things done. Yeah, you really don't have a lot of control over it, unfortunately. Yep. Um, so walk us through the process of, uh, of how bequest works start to finish, you know, what, what, what goes on? Sure. Again, it, it, it depends on the type of bequest. So I thought I'd maybe run through kind of two typical processes. Um, the first one being a beneficiary of an account, how that usually works. Um, typically, the, the charity is notified by the administrator of um, maybe an account. If you're, if you're a beneficiary of that account, the administrator will notify you um, or the executor may notify you that you're a beneficiary and that you should reach out to the firm that holds the account. Um, so you receive notification, again, can be in a variety of ways. One of the first things that you're gonna do in, in contacting that um, kind of the administrator of that account is, you know, they're gonna want a claim form, have you to complete a claim form. Um, and you're gonna have to respond with information about your ministry. Sometimes you'll, um, most likely, if it's an account, you're gonna have to provide them with the death certificate. And oftentimes it needs to be a certified death certificate and that can hold up a distribution sometimes if you don't have a certified copy of the death certificate. So it's important to ask the executor if you can get a certified copy of that. And then you'll probably need to provide a W-9 for your organization. Um, if it's an IRA, you may be asked to complete an inherited IRA form and to actually set up an inherited IRA. Um, so that's something that's a little bit more difficult and that you're going to have to provide the personal information on your authorized signers to do that. So that's... Um, um, can be a little troublesome sometimes for, for organizations. They may have to provide their authorized signers, social security number, dates of birth, home address, things like that. So um, there's been a push in the nonprofit world to really, um, uh, what do I wanna say, to really um, put up a fight for that because it really is not appropriate for a charity to have to set up an inherited IRA. Um, you know, because an IRA, but just by the, the title, it's, it's an individual retirement account. So a charity is not an individual, so a charity shouldn't be forced to set up an individual retirement account, but the administrators don't know any different. So they're going to try and have the charity have to 
have to do that. So that's something that um, organizations are going to need to talk through as an organization, whether they're going to want to push back on that or not. Um, another thing in, in doing that, again, um, also with IRAs, charities should not have any taxes withheld. Again, oftentimes in an, in an individual, in an IRA, an inherited IRA, they're going to want to hold back taxes and charities are not going to want to do that. So, um, so if you get in that situation, you really is kind of you're up to your management to decide what your um, attitude is going to be towards setting up an inherited IRA. At Barnabas Foundation, um, we have a letter that we um, provide to administrators saying that we do not think we need to set up an inherited IRA, that we want the distribution made directly to us, um, and that we don't want them to withhold taxes on it. So um, we'd be happy to share that letter with, with members. Um, if, they, if they'd like us, if they'd like that, we'd be happy to share that letter with them. Excellent. But again, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kurt. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, you know, that's, um, that, that, that letter has come up a number of times and we've had a couple of charities, uh, they've raised the question with us about uh, their IRA, uh, uh, the, the donor's IRA administrators insisting that they open these charitable accounts and part the money over to it and so forth. And they were just really concerned about divulging some of that information. And we've been able to share that letter uh, with several of our member organizations. And so if anybody would like to see a copy of that, um, absolutely, uh, we'd be happy to share it. So, but continue, I know you still had some comments on uh, what this process is all about and from start to finish on both accounts as well as uh, bequests and wills and so forth. Yeah, I'd like to hop over to kind of a, if you're a beneficiary of a trust. So let's say you've been notified by an executor that you're a beneficiary of, of, a, of, the, of your donor's uh, trust. And so that requires a little bit different um, process. Um, you probably will get, you know, a, a letter in the mail from them. Sometimes an attorney will call you. Again, it can happen in a number of different ways that you're notified. I just want to say, if you think that your charity is the beneficiary and you haven't heard anything, it, it's appropriate to reach out to, say, a family member or attorney that you might have on file. Make sure you wait at least, you know, 30 to 40 days. We wait about six weeks after the individual's passed away to make that type of an inquiry. But you can go ahead and make an inquiry if the donor has notified you that they intend to leave you as a, as a beneficiary of their, of their trust. So that's appropriate to do. So once you're notified, of course, obviously, you wanna send a thank you note, thank you for notifying us. Certain things that you're gonna to wanna to ask for in that initial letter back to the executor is um, you wanna ask for a specific mention of how your uh, ministry is listed in the trust. So a copy of where you're listed, again, whether it's for a specific bequest or percentage, whatever it is, you can ask for documentation on how your ministry is a beneficiary of that trust. Um, if you um, have a percentage, if you've been um, granted a percentage of the bequest, you can ask for an inventory of the assets. Um, we also ask just to be notified if there's any irregularities in the trust that we should be notified, you know, that we should know about. Um, and then we also ask that the distribution be done in cash rather than other assets. Again, that is fully within the charity's right to do that, to ask for a cash distribution. Um, so again, you're gonna wanna internally establish kind of some anticipated timelines for distributions of trusts. Um, I recommend just kind of maintaining contact with that executor probably every six weeks or so once you've been notified just to see what the status is, unless they've obviously given you a reason that it's gonna take longer. You know, if they said, hey, we need to sell this house, it's going to be at least six months, 
make a note to contact them in six months then to check on the status of the, the, the sale of the home. But again, we find it's, it's beneficial to the, the charity to stay in contact with that executor during the ongoing, you know, um, the estate administration. Um, also, you might receive multiple distributions. Make sure you send a thank you note every time you receive a partial distribution from, a, from an estate. And then when you get that final distribution, um, you are going to probably be asked to sign a receipt. Make sure that you ask and that you get a full accounting of the estate before you sign off on that, on that letter. So that's something to to make sure that you that you ask for it's kind of your financial you know your fiduciary responsibility to ask for that that accounting so those excellent. are kind of the steps with with the trust excellent thank you cindy um i noted a comment here that chelsea made in our stream um going back to the ira gifts and just uh for a second here um that they have their organizations contested the entire uh, inherited ira process through the rift project with the national association of charitable gift planners um, and they've got a tremendous amount of resources there. Um, have you heard of that project? That's something new to me. I had not heard of that. Um, uh, have you heard of that, Cindy? The I have. I heard of it through, yeah, Charitable Gift Planners. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen that on their blog and what they've talked about. Yeah, and that is, it's through that um, that organization too that we became aware of this letter that we're using. We've modified it a little bit, but that's where we got a lot of our information from. Yeah, and they're doing great work. They really are. They've been very successful with some administrators. So we Excellent. appreciate their work. Thank you for sharing that comment as well, Chelsea. Um, just one last thing on, on the IRA distributions. If you find yourself as an organization having to fill out some of this inherited IRA paperwork and providing personal information, like your social security number as an authorized signer, when you get your distribution tax form at the end of the year, make sure it has your organization's tax ID number and not yours by mistake, as we've heard this happening. Um, and then suddenly, all of a sudden, you're getting audited personally if you don't get that corrected because you haven't necessarily filed the appropriate, uh, if you haven't included in your tax return, that's not a pleasant situation to find yourself in. And uh, um, so just be very aware of that and thoroughly reviewing any end of uh, year tax forms that you get on estate distributions. Um, so kind of going back to the process here, Cindy, you know, what rights do charities have for getting information from about estate gifts? You talked about if you think you're part of it, go ahead and contact executor, family member, attorneys, brokers, whoever you may know is involved, but what rights do charities have? Yeah, I think this is important to share is that charities are not um, second class here. Charities have the same right as any other beneficiary of, of a trust. And so they have the same right as family members do to request an accounting of, of a trust if they're a beneficiary of that trust, if they're a percentage beneficiary of that trust. There's no two-tier beneficiary, so to speak. Um, the charity doesn't have to take a back seat um, to other beneficiaries of the trust. So I think that's important to note. You can ask for, as I said earlier, a copy of the trust where you're listed as the beneficiary. They don't have to send you the whole trust. That's not your information, but it is your information to find out how your charity is listed as the beneficiary. Um, and so it's important to ask for that. And it's your right to ask for that. And then also you can ask for, again, if you're a percentage beneficiary of a trust, you can ask for uh, a copy of an inventory, the asset inventory of the trust, what assets were part of the trust. And then lastly, an accounting of when the trust is, is complete to make sure that if you are supposed to be a 10% beneficiary, that you did indeed get the 10% that the, that the donor intended for you to receive. Is the same hold true for a will? 
yeah, similarly, it will, if you're a beneficiary, you can ask for, you know, copies of, you know, what, how, how you're a beneficiary. That's the main thing is you want to know what your, what the donor gave to you. Um, and, and you have the right to ask for that in, in writing. Excellent. What suggestions do you have for members, our member organizations about the administration of estate gifts like this and, and the process? Yeah, I think it's really important that our member ministries um, have a defined process for estate administration. We've already seen a lot of estates that we've been working on behalf of our members are maturing. And I'm certain that a lot of those are going directly to our member ministries. So it's important if they don't already to make sure they have a process established. I think it's most successful when they can have at least a two-person estate team. Ideally, one person from the development area who's maybe got um, skills in, in shepherding and in stewarding ongoing relationships with the family, and then another person from the accounting department as well, because they've got maybe more of the financial knowledge and, and may have a, a greater aptitude on working with the assets that the charity might be left. So I think it's important to have at least two people. Also, then at least one, if something happens to one of those individuals, the other one will continue on with knowing the status of things. Um, also, a couple other things is once that you've received notice that someone has passed away, it's important to update your database as soon as possible. You want to make sure you're not mailing to anybody that's deceased. So make sure that your, your CRM database gets updated right away um, that that individual has passed. Um, you're also going to want to send a letter to the executor or, you know, trustee again, just if you haven't been notified, if you think you're, you're a beneficiary and haven't been notified, you know, send that letter of, of inquiry. Um, also, and really important, I think, to notify pertinent staff. You want your staff to be in the know when one of your donors passes away. And so, you know, think about who are the people on our staff that we should make sure that receive an email as soon as we're notified that, that certain individuals have passed. And so it's important to, to make sure that you've got a system for doing that. Another thing that we really recommend is setting up, and again, this is the accounting side of me, but setting up a spreadsheet so that you can um, list all of the, you know, have a list of who the individual is, um, what you're the beneficiary of. Again, is it an account? Is, is, is it um, a trust? What, what the, the bequest is? What the status is? And update that status. Every time you get an update, make sure the spreadsheet is updated. Um, put in there an anticipated gift, the amount that you think that you're going to get, and the timing of that anticipated gift. And it's really helpful to keep that ongoing spreadsheet. Again, if something happens to the, the individuals that are responsible for a state, that spread, somebody else should be able to pick up that spreadsheet and know the status of all of those estates and where they're at. So I think it's really important to, to make sure that you've got a spreadsheet of, of a state administration that's set up. Um, also, one thing is to make, oh, another, lastly, is to do a tickler system, because again, you, these things can, as we've seen, spread over many years, so you're going to want to make sure that you've got a tickler system, a follow-up, if you're supposed to follow up every six weeks, that you've got those follow-ups set up in your system to ensure that you continue on top of those and don't let them get away. Excellent. I know we have a similar report here, Barnabas Foundation. It's rather lengthy. It goes on for many pages, as at any one time, we've got quite a few estates that we're working on. Um, and in the process of settling out. I know that, including that one that's been hanging around on that report for an awful long time. Yep. <laughs> um, comment here for, or question here from Charles came in, uh, Cindy, in the comments, but, um, you know, how does your gift acceptance policy, and, and this is great because it feeds right into the next question we were going to have anyway um, mm -hmm. about internal policies that our members should have, um, 
but how does internal policy help with bequests and, and what kind of bad things can happen without an official gift acceptance policy or bequest policy? Yeah, it's important. It does kind of, you know, we talk about internal policies. That was exactly the next thing that we were going to talk about is to follow your gift acceptance policy. Estate gifts are just like other gifts that you receive and that you can say no. If you feel like taking a gift from an estate is going to cause you more harm than good, you should decline that gift. Um, and you should, you know, again, if, if, it's, if it's a specific property and that property is not liquid to you or you can't use the property that the donor has given, you can say no, just like you could if the donor was living and wanted to, to make that, that gift. Um, also maybe think about to what other resources might be available to you and maybe accepting more of a complex gift. Kurt, you and I were involved with a gift that Barnabas did on behalf of three ministries that they donated a home in the Cayman Islands. Remember that a number of years ago. And so we, on behalf of these three ministries, Barnabas Foundation received that gift and um, did our, the due diligence that was necessary in receiving it and liquidating that gift. And then we were able to send that on to the individual um, you know, ministries that were beneficiaries of that. So again, important to follow your gift acceptance policy in, in receiving bequests and, and analyzing if you're gonna receive, the, if you wanna receive those gifts or not. Well, that was a great example of that, uh, that home on the island uh, was given to those three charities directly in their proportionate share. And here they were struggling, how in the world do we deal with mm -hmm. this? Um, and we were able to step in and the estate uh, um, with the charity's blessing essentially redirected that to us and we were able to manage that gift for a period of time and it took some work. I remember um, we all volunteered to go visit the home and uh, one of our attorneys did go, um, Bob, our, our former West Coast uh, attorney, um, but it, it takes work. And I think the key thing there, Charles and others that are watching is that uh, it's important to note that if a bequest that you're receiving is going to create this significant burden on the charity, um, perhaps there may be another avenue that you need to pursue. Uh, either disclaim the gift um, and choose not to take it, or if there's too many restrictions on the gift as well that you could never honor, you may have to um, uh, disclaim it. Um, or find a, perhaps if there's a way that we can serve you by accepting that gift on your behalf so it doesn't become this massive administrative burden for your organization. Um, and we, with our expertise here, may be able to handle that more efficiently for you. And we'd be happy to do so. Um, sometimes as we get to those restrictions, I, I can recall a time where we sent a bequest from a state here um, to an organization and the restriction on that gift, it was for a scholarship program, but because it was going to a state school and the scholarship was meant for women only in a certain type of program, they couldn't accept it. And so we found ourselves in a situation where um, we had to find a way to redirect that gift elsewhere. Um, and so that's where those policies and having policies in place and understanding uh, the restrictions on the gift is going to be crucial to making sure that you don't uh, find yourself in, a, in a, uh, a bit of a pickle with some of these gifts from time to time. Um, you know, after the gifts received or during the process of the gift being received, you know, what, what can an organization do um, with uh, just the stewardship side of things? How do you steward the gift um, after you've received it? Steward the relationship with the family. Any thoughts on that, Cindy? Yeah, it's really important, really from the onset, as soon as you're notified, that's when stewardship starts. I mean, it just changes format. You were stewarding the donor all these years, and now you're going to be, you know, stewarding their bequest gifts. So a couple things to keep in mind is if there's surviving family members, connect with them, you know, share with them, 
your, your gratitude, share with them any stories that you may have about how the donor interacted with your ministry and ask them if they would like to, you know, learn more about your ministry, if they'd like to be added to the mailing list, if they're on, not already on your mailing list. So try and connect with the family and, and share stories about how important that donor was to you and how grateful you are that, you know, as a ministry now, you're able to continue your ministry with the bequest that they've left to your organization. Um, also confirm if the donor left you a, a gift for a specific purpose, confirm that your intent to use that and to honor that donor's bequest and how you're going to do that. So make sure that you confirm that to the family as well. And then um, honor the significance of that gift to your ministry. Again, it's one of those things where you should in advance try and have some recognition um, policies in place for maybe different levels of bequests and how you're going to recognize different levels of bequests. You know, maybe donors who may have left you, you know, $1,000 may get one level of, of recognition. Those that have may left may leave you $100,000 may get a different type of, of recognition. So it's good to have that recognition policy in place for bequests, just like you may for other internal gifts that you receive. Excellent. Um, any, any final thoughts, Cindy, that you'd like to share? Um, just, just again, to make sure that internally you've got policies set up, that you've got processes set up, and lastly, we're here to help. Um, we process a lot of estate gifts. We have uh, Elaine Kuypers, our, our estate um, specialist, estate processing specialist. She works in this every day, so she has seen a lot of different things. We have a lot of experience with a lot of different estates, and so we are here to help, just maybe to be a sounding board. Sometimes you may not know how hard to, to press for certain things if you're not getting an accounting of things that you've asked for, so um, please use us. We are here to help in any way that we can. Yeah, I can't reinforce that enough. You know, we have, we do this all the time. And for some of our members, they may get one of these a year. And so um, if you have any questions whatsoever on the process, your rights, what should you be asking for, um, and so forth, uh, feel free to lean in. And if you've concerns about the types of gifts you might be receiving or what's in the estate, um, we're happy to help, happy to offer our guidance and assistance. Um, that's what your membership is contributing towards. And so lean in and, uh, and take advantage of it. Um, oh, we got another comment here on, uh, on the feed. Let me take a look at that. How would you handle a situation where you were notified by a donor of their intent to give through their estate, but it's not a gift we would normally accept? At death, we would probably disclaim it, but uh, what do you tell them while they're alive? Mm, interesting comment there. I, I think you have to treat that gift like you would if they were going to give it to you next week. You have to have that same conversation with that donor as to why that gift may not fit your gift policies. Um, I don't think you should hide it from them in any way that you would not accept that gift upon their passing. I think you need to have, be upfront and have that conversation, um, even though it might be a difficult conversation to have. I'm certain it would be, but I think it's important that you, you know, full, show full transparency and have that conversation at the beginning. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. I think you have to treat it uh, the exact same way uh, if it's because of the restriction. Um, you need to have that conversation with the donor, um, hopefully during a, while they're alive, to try to get that restricted, uh, adjusted or reworded or such so it is a useful gift to your ministry. Um, and if it's, um, you know, if, if it's at death, uh, then you may have to potentially disclaim it. 
Um, but if it's a hard asset to accept, that may be where we're able to step in and perhaps we can be that um, intermediary on your behalf um, where you can have the estate direct the gift to us so that we can hold it and work towards liquidating it and put the time and effort into it um, to uh, bring it to liquidated funds so that it benefits your ministry. So um, happy to discuss that further too with you, Brian, if you have any specific questions or examples, we'll be happy to dive into that if we uh, didn't quite totally answer your question or your concerns. Um, but thanks again for joining us. Uh, next month, we're actually going to make a change to how we do this. Uh, we're going to no longer use the Facebook Live uh, utility. Um, we're actually just going to go straight to Zoom. Um, as we've Perhaps we've all grown tired of Zoom meetings. I don't know about you, Cindy, but I have an awful lot of them every week. Um, but it's still a great tool for us to connect. And we know that some of our members don't have Facebook accounts, and they've expressed uh, concerns about having to wait to watch these episodes. Um, and so we've heard uh, their comments and their concerns. And so we're going to move to a Zoom platform beginning in, um, in June, uh, when I'll be talking with Heather Day um, about uh, legacy societies um, and the importance of them and how to start them. And that'll be on June 17th. So keep an eye out in your uh, monthly update newsletter emails and our other announcements about these sessions. And you'll see the Zoom link included in there um, um, uh, in that email. Um, now, that doesn't mean we're still not going to use the Facebook group page. We still plan on using it for important announcements. So we encourage you to maintain your membership with it. And then afterwards, after we do these Zoom sessions, we will post the video feed to Facebook shortly thereafter, um, as well as in our member center uh, where you can access it there as well. So, um, but thought it was a different platform for us to open it up to a few more folks that uh, current that can't currently access these sessions live because uh, they're because uh, they don't have a social media account. Um, but again, thank you for joining us today, Cindy. Appreciate your time. Um, it's great to see you across the hall, and uh, and it's been it's fun to be back in the office a little bit with one or two of us here. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly hope that uh, this met, that today we find all of our members are safe and healthy, and your ministries are doing well, and that uh, God's stewards are there to support your work at this time. Um, in this very challenging and trying time for so many of us, uh, and so for so many of our uh, member organizations as well. Um, but with that, God bless you and keep you, and we look forward to see you uh, next month. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.